Chapter 42. Tuesday at 3 o'clock, R.B. raced to the back of the school. Hey, he greeted the girls and had the, held the door for them. Jiminy Fipey's Deli Mundle mumbled, but she liked it. At the old Hennepin place, R.B. told tuba tales while Ferris Boyd played ball. Deli and the cat listened with their mouths curly. And in the hide oasis, when Deli brought out three peanut butter sandwiches, R.B. got something out of his pack too, a jar of marshmallow fluff. He set it between them. Shikies, Deli googled it. Where'd you get that? Because Clarice didn't keep it in the house. I bought it with my birthday money, he answered. For us? He smiled and nodded like he'd given her Christmas. Deli felt a banging in her chest. It was pride thumping through her. What do you want to do with it, she asked, because it was his. Put it on the sandwiches, he sang. She opened them up and set the slices in front of him. She took a spoon from his bag. He dropped a big glo uh, glob of fluff on each slice. When he put the bread back together, the fluff squeezed out onto the crust. Sweet cloud sandwiches, Deli sighed. R.B. passed them around. Deli smacked her lips like she'd, like she'd kiss hers. Ferris Boyd's eyes were wide with wonder. One, two, three, R.B. called out. Altogether, they bit into the fluffy deliciousness. Mmm, the Pattinsons hummed and gobbled. But Ferris Boyd took tiny bites. She chewed and chewed like she didn't want the taste to leave her tongue. Hey, R.B., Deli asked when they were done. What are you going to do with the rest of that? Because there was half a jar left. He thought about it, then he grinned. Put out your hands. So they did. He plopped giant gobs of fluff onto their palms. They licked it till it was gone. It left their skin sticky. Then R.B. and Ferris Boyd lay down with their fluff-filled bellies in the air. Deli went to the ladder. Where are you going? He asked sleepily. To get sticks. For what? Spears, she told him. Hmm, he nodded off. Deli clambered down the ladder. When she'd gathered enough long, skinny branches, she hauled them up the tree and stacked them in a corner of the hide oasis. She woke R.B. at the whistle. Shh, she whispered. They laid the blanket over Ferris Boyd and tiptoed to the ladder. Walking down the river road, Deli still had fluff stuck in her teeth. Every time she got a taste, the pride started thumping again. It wouldn't stop till she told him. R.B., she rasped. Huh? You did good. Thanks, Del, he smiled. Then he set his fluff-sticky hand in hers, and they went on like that, stuck to each other with spit and sweet deliciousness. Chapter 43 Wednesday after school, they were at the old Hennepin place again. Ferris Boyd played ball, and R.B. told about the time Tuba got in bed with Boomer. Boomer thought the dog was Clarice, till he kissed her and got a big wet slobber back. Oof, oof, oof! Tuba let him know she liked it. When R.B. was done, he slid off the stoop and strolled over to Ferris Boy. Hey, Deli scowled, get back here. But R.B. stood there smiling. Can I play? He asked. Ferris Boyd, he doesn't know. Deli started to explain, so she wouldn't freak out. Instead, Ferris Boyd handed him the ball. Huh? Deli muttered. Thanks, R.B. said. He set the ball over his head and flung it as hard as he could. Oof, he groaned. The ball flew a few feet, then dropped to the ground like he'd killed it. Ferris Boyd passed it to him again. Again, R.B. committed basketball homicide. I'm not doing so good, he told her. He gave her the ball and headed to the stoop. There was a smack, smack behind him. It made him stop. Ferris Boyd was slapping her thigh. 
What the glob? Dolly murmured. She never heard the girl make a noise, let alone a loud one. Ferris Boyd was staring at Arby and pointing to her eye. I'm watching, he replied. She spread her legs and held the ball between them. Her arms swept up over her head, heaving it into the air. It soared over the drive and dropped through the hoop. Nice, Arby sighed. She passed the ball to him. Now me, he said. He spread his legs and put the ball between them. Then he hurled it. The ball went straight up. It came straight back down. Arby had to jump out of the way so it wouldn't bop him. Oh, he said. He looked at Ferris Boyd. She stomped the drive to show him where to stand. She pointed to her eye, then the basket. I'll watch the basket, he told her. He windmilled his arms to warm up. Then he flung the ball like a tiny human catapult. Oof, he grunted. It sailed through the air. It hit the rim and passed through it. Holy shakies, Deli breathed. R.B. was still watching the hoop. Ferris Boyd? He whispered, asking if it was true. She got her pad and pen. She wrote something and put the paper between them. R.B. took it and his face bloomed a smile. I want to quit with that, he said, and went to the stoop. Now I got two of you playing that ball grum game. Deli pretended to grumble, but it was something to see him so happy. What's the paper say, she asked. He passed it to her. There were no words, just a star in the center of it. She thinks I'm a star, he breathed, like if he said it out loud, he'd be lying. He was shining, though. Deli understood. That's how having a friend made her feel, too. You're the star, she rasped, wanting him to feel that way forever. In the hide oasis, R.B. didn't waste any time shimmying over to Ferris Boyd and sharing her book. But Deli didn't worry now. She got up to go. Huh? he asked. Getting spearheads, she answered, and went to the woods. The forest floor was covered with limestone. If Deli banged two chunks together, small pointy pieces broke off. She made enough for 30 spears. When she went back, she piled them by the sticks. Then she sat down across from those two. Still, she watched R.B. leaning on Ferris Boyd, pointing at the pages and the girl nodding so her chin rubbed against his hair. And Deli's heart got so big it was hammering in her chest. R.B., she rasped, not to stop him, to let him know she was wrong. Because Ferris Boyd had given Deli a world away from trouble, and she loved it. She thought R.B. would wreck it. Instead, he made it better. He filled it with warm softness, so the hide oasis felt like the happiest place ever. R.B. glanced up at his sister. She nodded. Without saying a word, she told him, I'm glad you're here. R.B. smiled, to, so all his teeth shook, and Deli had to turn away before her heart busted out of her. Chapter 44 Thursday, the Pattinsons were telling tales before they even got to the stoop. On the river road, R.B. started it. Deli, remember that time Tuba snuck into the IGA? Yep, she answered. She went straight for the donuts. She used her nose to open the case. R.B. went on. She gobbled up all the cream-filled ones, so she was drooling white goo. Then Clayton Fitch spotted her. That dog's foaming at the mouse he screamed and shot out the door and tuba ran after him because she thought he was playing tag the pattinsons were laughing so hard they didn't see it but ferris boyd did she froze in the road they turned to her ferris boyd deli asked she was paler than pale her eyes were fixed on one spot they followed her gaze down the drive the green impala was parked in front of the garage right where ferris boyd played ball 
What's he doing here? Deli demanded. The girl didn't move. The day was warm, but Deli shivered. She wasn't sure why, but she didn't want her friend to go where the man in the green impala was. Hey, she said, how about we go straight to the hide oasis? Ferris Boyd kept staring. So Deli stood between the car and her friend. Ferris Boyd, how about you come home with us? She saw Deli then. You t she took out her pad and pen and wrote, you go home. We're staying with you, Deli answered, and Arby nodded. Ferris Boyd pushed the pen hard into the paper, tracing, go home, over and over. You sure? Deli rasped. Ferris Boyd glanced at the green impala and nodded. Then she slumped down the drive and into the house. Deli, Arby started to say, I don't want to. We're not leaving, she told him. Come on. She led them to the ditch and they dove in. They peeked over the edge. We'll watch from here, she announced. But Ferris Boyd didn't come out with her ball or the cat's bowl. The, pad, the Pattinsons were concentrating so hard on the house they didn't notice something creeping behind them. Meow, it called. They jumped. Ball gram cat, Deli barked. The cat cringed. It was worried too. Well, shikies, Deli said. Get over here. The cat slid up to her. We're waiting for Ferris Boyd, she explained. Meow, it cried. Then the three of them watched. Nothing moved around that place, though. Even the birds were quiet. When the whistle blew, Deli told him, R.B., go home. I'm not leaving, he replied. If you don't go, Ma will be scared. They'll come looking, and R.B. understood. What do I say about you? Say I'm in trouble at school. They wouldn't keep you so late. He was right. Deli was staring at the house, trying to come up with something, when she spotted a pale, skinny girl in the upstairs window. She looked like a ghost. She put one hand against the glass. There she is, Deli whispered. Oh, R.B. sighed, and she was gone. Deli turned to the cat. You all right? It blinked once. Then the two Pattinsons ran like something was after them all the way home. After dinner, they lay on Deli's bed. They both had questions begging to be asked, like, why would somebody be so scared of her dad? And what happened to her when she was inside? But the only answers they could think of made their stomachs turn and their hearts sick, so they kept quiet. Lights out, Clarice called, and R.B. shuffled to his room. At 2 a.m., Deli was standing beside Clarice's bed again. Ma, she rasped. Deli? Clarice murmured. Ma, you ever worry about somebody being in trouble? Hmm, Clarice answered, because she had. A lot. You ever think? You ever wonder? Say it, Clarice mumbled, because sleep time was ticking away. You ever wonder somebody's getting hurt? And Clarice was wide awake. She was sitting straight up, shouting, Who's hurt? Deli knew that tone. Clarice smelled trouble, and she was hunting for it. If Deli didn't throw her off the scent, Clarice would track down the truth about her and Arby's project. They'd be dead as ducks in a, in a bird dog's mouth. So she said, You know how on TV there's a kid getting hurt, but nobody knows because she doesn't tell? Clarice had her arms crossed. Mm-hmm. Well, how would you know if somebody's getting hurt when she doesn't say anything? Is this about something on TV? Clarice demanded. I saw something, was Deli's almost true answer. Clarice calmed down. Deli, TV isn't real, but I need to know, she insisted. Clarice lay back again. Well, she said, if somebody was getting injured, there might be marks. There are ways to hurt people without it showing, though. Deli was listening. Maybe she'd seem sad. Maybe if she had a friend, she'd tell her or give her hints. Like what? Deli wondered. Clarice was quiet for a minute. I don't know, she said. Then Clarice's voice was steel, so sharp it would cut through any untruth. 
Deli, is somebody hurting you or one of your brothers or sisters? No, Ma, she told her. Clarice let out a sigh. After a while, her breasts got further and further apart. Ma, Deli whispered, can I? Clarice lifted the covers. Deli crawled in. She wouldn't cuddle up to Clarice because she wasn't a baby, but she kept one arm against her mother, the warm softness of Clarice telling her she wasn't alone. Chapter 45 Friday morning, Deli and R.B. were waiting at the back door to the school. There, Deli pointed. They watched her shuffle toward them. She was still pale and skinny. She still hunched over. She's okay? R.B. asked, and they both nodded, because they wanted it to be true. When she got out to the door, they fell in on either side of her. They walked her to her desk, then stood beside her like sentries. Mr. Pattinson, Lionel Terwilliger announced, your presence is required elsewhere, so R.B. had to go. See you later, Ferris Boyd, he said softly. When he was gone, Deli leaned over. You all right, she whispered. Ferris Boyd just sat there, but Deli waited. After a long time, her head dropped to her chest, like a nod, Deli thought, or giving up. All day, Deli watched her friend from her seat. At recess, she left Alaska for the tree next to Ferris Boyd's. The creature stayed close to him. It was a long, slow walk to the old Hennepin place. When they got to the drive, they saw it. No, Green Impala. Deli let out a big breath, like she'd been holding it all day. It'll be okay, she sighed. And it was. Almost. The cat came. They told stories. Ferris Boyd and R.B. played ball. But everywhere they went, a shadow followed them. It cast a gloom over every happiness. It was shaped like the man in the green impala. At the hide oasis, Deli took out some string and Boomer's pocket knife. She cut a groove in the end of each stick, slipped a piece of limestone in, then tied it tight. Those are nice spears, R.B., touched the tip of one. For invaders, she told him. She set them standing around the rails like soldiers. Nothing can hurt us here, she breathed. But all the while, Deli was working. A question pestered her. What if the enemy's not at the hide oasis? It asked. She was too busy to answer. When the whistle blew, she kneeled down beside her friend. Okay, Ferris Boyd, you got rocks and spears. There's the blanket, food, and the rope for quick escapes. You going to be all right? Ferris Boyd gazed at all her friend had done. She looked into Deli's eyes. They were filled with wanting her to be safe, and she nodded. Then they left her, surrounded by every protection Deli knew how to give. Chapter 46 Saturday was the first ever Deli day. Happy hallelujah, she hollered when she woke up. She galloped downstairs, smiling so big you could see her tonsils. After breakfast, Clarice asked her, Well, Deli, what do you want to do? But Deli didn't know how to ask for what she wanted most, so she said, Can we get donuts? Sure, Clarice told her, and they headed out the door. At the IGA, Clarice got a bag. How many do you want? Deli didn't need a dozen because she had Clarice, but two, do but two seemed too few. Six, she announced and selected them. Hey, Norma, Clarice greeted her at the checkout. Hey, Clarice, what you up to, Norma replied. Celebrating, she smiled at Deli. No trouble for a month. Deli waited for Norma to snort or snicker. Instead, she stood there thinking. It had been a long time since she'd kicked Deli out for spitting or writing no cuss words on the windows. Huh? She said. Outside, Clarice asked, what do you want to do next? Could we go to the river? So they did. 
They sat on the bank and watched the water, just the two of them. Deli opened up the donuts. She picked a chocolate ice, chocolate-filled chocolate one, and passed the bag to Clarice. She was about to load her mouth with lusciousness when her mom stopped her. Let's have a toast, Clarice raised her donut to the air. To Deli, she said, and took a bite. Now, you eat it, she told her. But Deli couldn't move. Clarice toasting her made her inside so warm and mushy her whole body got floppy. Her floppy fingers dropped the donut in her lap. Deli didn't mind because suddenly the whole world was a donut. Sweet, beautiful, and delicious. And she was the floppy cream filling. She hummed the song of gooey, goopy happiness. Hmm. Clarice was done with her donut. She turned to Deli. You ready to go home? Just like that, all the deliciousness disappeared. Even on a deli day, Clarice had something else to do. Okay, she started to mumble, so the question paper pinched her. Still, she could only whisper it. She wanted it so much. Ma, can we stay for a while? Clarice heard the wanting in that tiny whisper. Sure, she said. The sweet wonderfulness surrounded Deli again. She rolled back onto the bank, smiling. Clarice lay down beside her. They stayed like that for a long time. Finally, Deli had what she wanted most, so she said, Want to go home? You sure? Clarice asked. Sure, she answered, but she knew someday soon she'd have it again. Chapter 47 Every week, Brad Kenny and Ferris Boyd's games got longer and longer because Brad kept thinking of animals with longer and longer names. Plus, he was getting better. But there was never enough basketball for Brad. Sunday morning, he walked down the drive to the old hennepin place and held up his pad. Tyrannosaurus Rex, it read. No touch? The boy read it while Brud held his breath. Then he nodded. The happiness was going to shoot Brud like a rocket into outer space. His feet were already blasting off. So right there in front of the boy, he hollered, All right! And Ferris Boyd didn't flinch or make fun. She just waited for him to come back to Earth. Then they played. The game went on and on, like heaven's supposed to. Ferris Boyd beat, beat him, but not by much. After, they were worn out. They both went to the stoop. They lay back on it, stinking with sweat. Even if he didn't have the stutter, there wasn't much Brud wanted to say. He didn't need to chat. Nice day, or talk about his new sneakers. But there was something that mattered more than anything to Brud. He never told it to anybody. He wanted his friend to know, so he wrote it. I want to play like nothing nobody's ever seen, only better. The boy read it. He stared at the sky for a while. Then he wrote, you will. Brad turned to his friend to see if he was making fun or feeling sorry. The boy's eyes were steady and sure. He meant it. Then Brad didn't smile or nod or write anything. It was all too small for how he felt. He just stared at the sky thinking, thanks. Chapter 48 Finally, it was the date Deli Pattinson waited all year for, the last day of school. But Deli wasn't yelling, Yahoo! She was worried. Summer's vacation from school and people too. If you want, she murmured. So she didn't ask as they walked out the river road with RB singing, No more school, no more school. She didn't ask during basketball, even though the paper was pinching her. She didn't get it out till it was two minutes to the whistle. Ferris Boyd, I got a question, she said, and the rasp was rough. On Monday, there's no school. R.B. started singing again. No more school. Quit it, she commanded. So we won't be walking out here together. We got chores in the morning, but we could in the afternoon, if you want. It was too hard. 
Deli couldn't finish, but the paper was pinching her a purple Herman. It was going to make her ask. Oh, Grammit, she muttered. Then she took a big breath and pushed it out. You want us to come here and hang out with you? Now, there were about 10 questions in those 10 words, like, are we really friends, even outside of school? And could you stand seeing more of us? For every one of them, a no would hurt horribly. Ferris Boyd stared into the green. She took out her, pa- her pad and pen. Deli felt sick, knowing the answer needed more than a nod. She had to make herself read it. In big, dark letters, it said, yes. All right, then. Deli grinned so hard, her cheeks puffed up like peaches. Yay, Arby cheered. He started dancing around the hide oasis. Yay, yay, yay. Then he stopped. What about Gal? He was worried because she'd be watching them. I got that covered, Deli told him. He went back to dancing. The whistle blew. At the ladder, Deli said it smiling. See you Monday, Ferris Boyd, because now they weren't just after school friends. They were summer friends. They were every ballgram day friends. And Ferris Boyd nodded. After dinner, Deli went to Galveston's room. She knocked on the door. What? Gal hollered. Can I come in? Gal waited a while before she said, Okay, that made Deli mad because she had questions for her sister, not a fight. Galveston was on her bed with a book. Gal, Deli began, Huh, you know how you're watching me and RB this summer? Babysitting you? Yeah, she said. It was just mean calling it that, but Deli let it slide. You know how you got to be with us all day and take us every place you go? Galveston groaned. What if you didn't have to be with us so much? And you'd get paid. Go on, she said. Me and RB will do our chores in the morning. Then we'll take off for the afternoon, Deli explained. We'll be home before Ma and we'll act like we were with you the whole time. And where are you going to be, Gal demanded. At the old Hennepin place. Doing what? Hanging around with my friend. It was too good to believe and it was too good to say no to. Gal started grilling her. You going to the river? Nope. Taking people's stuff? Nope. Fighting? Setting off firecrackers? No. Galveston paused. If it worked, it'd be heaven. If something went wrong, there'd be the flames of Clarice's fury. What if something bad happens? What if you get in trouble while I'm supposed to be watching you? I'll say we snuck out on you. I'll say it was me, Deli replied. Gal squinted at her. Swear on it. Cross my heart or cover me with cow chips, she promised. Okay, Gal went back to her book, letting Deli know they were done. But Deli had more. What's Ma paying you to watch us? Two dollars an hour. How about splitting it with us, she suggested. Galveston laughed out loud. Gal, Deli said, RB tells Ma everything. I bet some money would help keep him quiet. Gal heard what she was meaning. She made an offer. Two dollars a day. A dollar an hour, Deli countered it. Gal chewed on it. Okay, but if you mess up, I get all of it deal, Deli told her, and that's how the youngest Pattinsons came into some extra money that summer. <laughs>